0: Welcome! Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and joining me in our Southern Illinois studios is a man who's rather upset that St. Louis City did not accept the $6.43 he scrounged up to get the sponsorship for the stadium called the
1: Soccer Capital. It's our producer, Mason. Truly devastating, but... Otherwise, I'm doing good. I've got half of a week old 40 and I'm ready to talk some footy. He's done his preparation for this show, we can tell. And
0: also joining us uh, from his uh, state-of-the-art podcast studio in a cave somewhere in St. Louis County, it's Sean Campbell. How are you doing today, Sean?
2: Ah, you know, I'm feeling pretty good today. It's been a rough weekend. Had a bit of a stuffy nose, but I'm feeling better now. Kind of staying in the in the cold cave with that, that cross breeze, constant 50 degrees, kind of gets to you a little bit. Had a caving in the nasal caverns. <laughs> you can't just say those things and expect me, you know, when I'm trying to drink something, and expect me to not spit it
1: out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just don't get lost back there in the sinus cavities.
2: Anyway, that's enough
0: of that silliness, because we got a big show ahead of you. We've got to talk some big St. Louis City news. We've got MLS action starting up in a week and a half. So, we're going to do a preview this week of the Eastern Conference and CONCACAF Champions League is starting up. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. It starts tonight. So, we're a little behind the leg on this, but it's the first round. Yeah, we'll get excited later on in the show. First of all, while you're listening, if you haven't already, please go ahead and uh, reach up and hit that subscribe button on your podcaster of choice. And if you got to take a moment to rate and review the show, it really helps us out. And we'll start off right away with the big news. St. Louis City had a big announcement at 10 a.m. today on their YouTube channel. And they announced the new sponsor of the stadium. It's Centene. And they come up with the name Centene Stadium. Which is, you know, a nice, bland, safe,
1: corporate name that seems to come straight out of committee. Yeah, some real bold, brave, creative choices being made.
2: Bold but, strategy, Cotton.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it works out for them. But it, it's the name of a stadium. It was pretty much always going to be like that, right? Yeah, it's going to be. And the name of the stadium in these
0: matters doesn't matter as much as how big was the check. And I don't mean big like those golf, you know, winning a golf tournament checks. I mean, how many zeros were at the end? And it must have been a lot because reports are out that uh, Centene signed up for a 15-year commitment on this, which is kind of long for what is essentially a marketing decision made by the corporation, uh, given that uh, Centene's former CEO had uh, made threats that they were going to move the uh, headquarters out of St. Louis. Uh, This is a big commitment from the corporation for the club. It's important in the North American professional sports structure to get that money's coming in from such uh, advertising rights as you can sell. And a stadium is about as big as it gets because every time they have a game, every time they're on TV, that's advertising for Centene. But we've got it. Uh, Centene Stadium. I'm looking forward to announcers that say... Yeah, we're coming to you from St. Louis City SC Centene Stadium and see how how smoothly they get
1: that out. <laughs> <laughs> we love a tongue twister, don't we, folks? Oh, yeah. Uh, but Centene makes sense. Um, uh, it got um, kind of leaked uh, the night before um, that Centene was going to be the sponsor. And I think that my take on it was that it wasn't really surprising um centine seemed to have made moves into that kind of sponsorship sponsoring the training arena in west county for the blues a couple of years ago um but that does dash my hopes of having both either an enterprise center too which i thought would be a funny idea or the worst possible idea thf realty stan kronke's company sponsoring the stadium (laughs) I was kind of hoping
0: it'd be Emos, and then we could call the stadium the Square without compare.
1: Square beyond compare, you philistine! So good.
0: (laughs) I know that so well too, and I spoke it wrong. No, the soccer capital would have been the best. I'm sure of it.
1: Yeah, but they turned down my offer. Yeah, I didn't have enough zeros. Yeah, I have enough zeros. Did you You not get
2: the check? Did you not get the eighteen zeros I put at the front? for you to, you know, could, you know, make it more zeros? <laughs> they didn't say what side the zeros had to be on.
0: <laughs> Centine Stadium. Centene sounds an awful lot like Cincy. Uh Don't like that connotation there. Come up with an idea. Why don't you just all join us in just calling it The Pit. Uh, the field is below ground level and uh, so that fits. It's got a nice... Ring of menace about it, and that fits very well with the tenacious, aggressive style of play that uh, Lutz is wanting for the club. So, bring him on into the pit.
2: It's time to open up this pit. Um, the only thing about that is, um, pit is in fact part of armpit, and uh, that's that's a nickname often given to a wooden spoon type team. So, (laughs) well, Well, that's more.
0: That's more impetus for them to put a good product on the field, isn't it? So we don't start calling it that. (laughs) But that's big news. And it just shows how much closer we're getting to, you know, a year away now, basically. Uh, Away from actual seeing them play a game in the pit. Yeah. From the wall.
1: From the wall. Yeah. If that nickname sticks, then Uh, we're not doing that one. But uh, if the if the nickname sticks, then we got to start coming up with pit calls.
2: Disrespect your surroundings. (laughs) Are we going to are we going to get demonetized for that? I hope not. (laughs) So
0: if if you call it if people start calling the pit and you see me because I put it out on the
1: chat during the YouTube video. Now buy me a beer for naming it. the pit. (laughs) Also, I'm just going to say, Sean, I don't think that a day to remember is particularly litigious.
2: (laughs) You know, they, they may not be Lars Ulrich level petty, but they may come after me. And you know what? I'll just say, okay, fine. I'll stop as long as you, you know, sign my jersey that I bought at your concert.
0: And, uh, you know, uh, the pit trademarks have already, the paperwork's already been printed out from LegalZoom. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, but yeah, big news. We're moving right along. Other big news. Uh, Coming up this Saturday at Crecourt Park uh, is the first home preseason game of uh, City's first professional team to play in St. Louis. The MLS Next Pro Team City 2 will be taking on Memphis's 905 in a preseason game. Game time's at 3 p.m. And the St. Luligans are planning on a tailgate at 2 p.m. this Saturday. Uh, We're efforting in our uh, chances to get there. Have a little uh, car problems to deal with first, so we'll see if we get that taken care of. Otherwise, we'll be out there to meet everyone. and love to see you, so if you see me in my silly
1: hat, come up and say hi and shake my hand. We really appreciate it. Yep. Uh, Marking down our
2: RSVP as a maybe, but hopefully we will get to see you there. I'm marking mine as a probably maybe, and to make me easier to spot, I will be wearing my trademark beers jersey. Or maybe I might wear my Day to Remember jersey in case I get served with a cease and desist letter right there at the game. (laughs) (laughs) That would be fun. (laughs) Perhaps you bring a mask as well. (laughs) They play our halftime show every game. Every home game, they show up to play the halftime show. (laughs) (laughs) Introducing the halftime show
1: to every MLS game would be a nightmare. (laughs) So Centene Stadium puts a
0: 15-year commitment for the naming rights, and you're probably maybe for a preseason tailgate. See who has commitment issues here. <laughs> Didn't have enough zeros. Yeah. nobody, uh. <laughs> Nobody's put in a bid for our
2: appearance fee. <laughs> how many beers can they pay me to show up? Because that would be the number I'm looking for. I
0: can hear them out there right now going, how many beers c- does it take for you not to show up? <laughs>
2: Uh, how many zeros <laughs> can you add on to it?
0: <laughs> I don't care if I'm there or not. Just send me beer. <laughs> but enough of the silliness. Let's move on. We got a big show. We've uh, decided to tackle MLS previews with the Eastern Conference this week. Next week, we'll do the Western Conference. Each one of us took a few teams, broke it down with what's in, what's out, what's new, and what to expect. And uh we're gonna go through that, see how all this goes. We actually made some picks, but of course making picks on progno- prognostications on MLS is a fool's game. But we'll play that game because we're a bunch of fools. Yep. Welcome to the clown cast. <laughs> hey, we, we we haven't got the uh the server rights to that podcast yet. Hold off on that. <laughs> uh and speaking of Cloudcast, uh, we have a new team in uh, Major League Soccer this year. Oh, that's brutal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Oh. <laughs> stop, stop. He's already dead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Charlotte FC, they're the expansion team this year. It was also supposed to be St. Louis City this year as well, but they got special dispensation to hold off a year because of uh the global pandemic, which has been to great benefit for St. Louis City, to be honest. Uh, Charlotte FC is owned by David Tepper. Tepper Entertainment also owns the Carolina Panthers. They will be playing in the Panthers Stadium. Uh, and uh, their owner uh, started out boasting how the clubs go to make the playoffs in their first season. That's nah, a high bar to set. And how Uh, likely are they looking to meet that bar? Well, I'll I'll go through the list here and let you all just make your own decisions on this. Uh, He is also out trying to set the single game attendance record in his NFL uh, stadium, a bar set high by Atlanta United. Uh, And uh, they're pretty well on their way. We'll see if they actually make that number. And that's a big number even globally uh, to hit. Their coach will be Miguel Angel Ramirez, Uh, The Spaniard has experience coaching in Spain, South America, and has coached in the Middle East. He likes to be a global traveler, get a lot of information from other coaches. Uh, We're anticipating he's going to play a very aggressive 4-4-3 system, four in the back, three up front. Uh, But we'll have to see how it goes because it's an expansion team. Key signings? Well, pretty much everything they got is a key signing because they need a team they did sign and trade for a lot of international slots. I don't know where on the field, the international slots will play. I'm not sure that they've even filled all the international slots that they gathered on top of the ones that they already had coming in, but they did get, uh, what seems to be a good player, a uh, Polish striker, Karol Svidurski. He'll be a full designated player for the team. He's a Polish international and, uh, that seems to be a pretty good signing. They've got a uh, creative player, uh, Argentine Christian Titi Ortiz. He's on loan from Club Tijuana. He has played for Miguel Angel Ramirez before. Uh, and Ramirez has intimated that uh, he'll be basically his number 10. The one driving in the middle of the field. they got Vinicius Melo. He's a uh, under-22 signing under that initiative. Uh, way of bringing in younger players to try to sell him on in the future for a profit. MLS has decided to do that, though he right now has a lingering foot injury. I have no idea how he's going to play. Uh, they've also brought in MLS veteran Jordi Reyna. They've got a defensive midfielder, uh, an Ecuadorian young DP signing, not a full DP. That's a uh, Jordi Astivar. Uh, another big name signed pretty early is, uh, former Leicester City in the English Premier League center back Christian Fuchs, who was a big part of that uh, famous Leicester City title-winning team from about, what was that now, seven years back. Uh, he has his business, No Fuchs Given, in the U.S. He's been trying to come back for a while. Didn't always tr- stayed with the, uh, the really good culture they have in Leicester City, but he's been brought in to play in MLS. And brings some of that culture to Charlotte with them. They've also got free agent from Columbus, Harrison Awful, in the right back. He's getting up there in years, but he brings a lot of veteran experience in some play. Uh, they got defender Jalen Lindsey from Sporting KC. Also gets to uh, pick up his homegrown rights because he's originally from Charlotte. So now he's a Charlotte homegrown player. They got the number one pick in the Super Draft. They got Ben Bender, a midfielder, out of Maryland. And uh, being number one in the pick, there's expectations there as well. Uh, Another exciting signing was a young defensive back, Anton Walks, that they were able to get away from uh, Atlanta. Their goalkeeper is Pablo Siseniga, who uh, failed to impress in three seasons while LAFC. Uh, We'll see how he does with Charlotte. Uh... They may need a better goalkeeper than that. We'll see how he does. No one knew what Brad Stuver was going to do in uh, Austin as a lifetime backup. He did quite well last year for an expansion team, but uh, he didn't have a full starting, you know, resume quite like uh, a has. And uh, they also picked up uh, a cornerback, Christian McCoon from Inter Miami. Uh, he was a starter for Miami last year. And uh, and in exchange for a number one allocation spot for that. It's funny, they're an expansion team. And normally, as we go through this, you wouldn't mention a lot of key losses. But it's uh, this is where it kind of gets dark for Charlotte. They've had a few, including their first signing. Australian midfielder Riley McGree. Uh, they sign him for $590,000. Then uh, put him on loan to Birmingham City while they were waiting to start. In the meantime, they sold him off to Middlesbrough, the English Championship, uh, for about $4 million on that. But their first signing, they never even paid him. He was on loan with Birmingham. They paid his paychecks on that. So he's gone. Then they had a, this was an exciting signing, it looked to be a Venezuelan attacker Darwin Machis of Granada and La Liga in Spain. He was in Charlotte, had taken his medical, getting ready to actually sign the paperwork, and the deal all fell apart at the very last second. He has lingering legal issues in Spain that put the kosh on the agreement. Uh, Reports out of Spain is that it had to do with a bar fight from last May. They also had come to personal terms with Polish winger, Camille Jozefak plays uh, under uh, Wayne Rooney at Derby County in the championship. They came to the personal terms the next day. He destroyed his ankle deal was off. And uh, then they also were really after Paul Ariola, the winger U S you know, national team player uh, from DC United. They were after him, but they got, they just got simply outbid by FC Dallas for services. Maybe if they didn't trade off all of those international sightings, they would have had enough GAM to get that deal done. So that's what's going on with Charlotte. It's been eventful. Still really don't know how they're going to do. Some of the players that they've signed look pretty good on paper, but they haven't really got a fully fleshed out roster yet. And... That makes their outlook currently pretty grim. Some moves are kind of head-scratchers. Other ones are pretty shrewd. And uh, last week, their coach uh, got on camera talking to the media. He's pretty transparent about it. And at the end of it, when he's talking in terms of the roster build, he goes, right now, we are screwed. So I'd have to say that I'm going to say that Charlotte will not be making the playoffs this season. Now we'll uh, toss it out to the other guys on Charlotte and see what they think. Sean, you got Charlotte in or out
2: of the playoffs this year? Honestly, I've got Charlotte out. There's, I'm sorry, there's just no good record, at least with the small sample size we have of expansion teams, especially ones that have mismanaged their roster as much as this team making the playoffs in their first season. They're trying to be the Vegas Golden Knights, and they're going to end up more like the Seattle Kraken, and that's just how it's going to be. I I. Don't see them doing anything this year. That sounds fair. And Mason, you got them in or out?
1: I got them out. I agree with that. And also, we're coming down to crunch time and they haven't even filled their roster. That's not a good sign. That's pretty ominous. I don't like the looks of that. Uh, Very bold predictions from the owner that I do not think are going to be met. There's talent here. They could gel, but I don't see them making
0: it. All right, moving on. Sean Campbell's got our next team. He's going to review the Sh- supporter shield winners, New England Revolution. Tell us
2: about them, Sean. What do we look forward to this year? Well, let's see. What what can we say about the Revolution that hasn't already be already been said? Um, we've already talked about a lot of their transfers, key ins. We've got they brought in Sebastian Legette, they brought in Omar Gonzalez in the back, and they brought in Josie just recently up front. Um, three pretty recognizable names, all U.S. men's national team players at one time or another, or still currently. You know, not counting Josie out, but I'm counting Josie out. Um, but the more importantly is the key players they lost. Um, they lost Tajon Buchanan, they lost Teal Bunbury, which he was more of a depth player at this point, and then Scott Caldwell. Also, all three of them transferred out, and they're already gone. Um, Matt Turner, of course has agreed on paper to a summer transfer to Arsenal to ride the pine pony. Um, but we'll see how he can help the team. If he can help them get a good start, that'd be, uh, definitely a good thing. Um, looking at this year and the lineup they have, the three most important players that I can think of are going to be heel Bo, and Buxa, just like they were last year. Um, and then any and all depth players, uh, cause last year they had a great home record uh it was 12, 3, and 2. That's wins, draws, and losses, not wins, loss, draw. Uh total of 39 points. Uh they lost some real talent, like I said, but they did bring in a couple of serviceable replacements, but not true like for like can can really meet that level. Um they ended up getting hardware this year, which is always good to put something in the silverware case. But looking forward to next year, I say look for a lot of the same, just not as dominant. Uh, I could see him pushing for the shield this year. I could see them. I I definitely think they're going to win the Eastern conference again, but ultimately I think the shield's going out West, especially with them losing their number one backstopper to, you know, as he jumps across the pond halfway through the season. And I, I don't think they win the championship again, but they're going to make a deep playoff run, but that shield's going West.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that. And, uh, what do you got Mason in or out for new England? Kind of easy question.
1: Yeah, Revs are in, um, but I'll, I I think Sean hit the nail on the head. They're just not going to be nearly as dominant, but I don't think that they're going to slip so far as to be out of contention. That, yeah, would, be, that would be crazy. <laughs> that would be crazy. I'm not crazy either. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be pining for the old uh,
0: crayon flag uh, logo, but they replaced it with a pretty good one. Yeah, they're in. They're not going to be nearly as good. They got losses. They could lose Busa in the summer transfer window as well. See how that affects them. But they brought in Josie. They'll be fine. And yeah. uh, the uh, <laughs> the New England Path Blue Ribbons <laughs> with yes. their new crest. And moving right along, uh, Mason, producer Mason's going to catch us up with our uh, MLS Cup winners, New York City FC.
1: Yes, New York City FC. Uh, not a lot going on here. Um, a lot of hot stove around Tati. Tati Casianos, but they turned down his move to River Plate. They are holding on to they are holding firm on him until they get the 15 million dollar option that they are waiting for, which I think that they will eventually get. But at the moment, we've got Tati there and they've got a lot of depth there. Players in uh, they got Tiago Martins uh, from Yokohama F. Marianos in Japan. Signed him through 2025 as a designated player, a DP. Uh, uh, Details of the contract are unknown, at least last time I looked. But uh, yeah, that's good. That's a good signing. Uh, Jesus Medina uh, is off to Cisco Moscow. He was underwhelming. They just kind of declined his option and off he went. Um, And then James Sands is on loan to Rangers boo rangers but we we knew that was happening and yeah I, that's it for for my you're defending champs not a lot of moves and you know even like even in when they sell on tati which i think they likely will do there's a lot of depth on this team i've got them going for a deep run into the playoffs again so i that means they're in yeah
0: <laughs> yeah be silly to count them out uh I've got to say that, uh, yeah, even if uh, Tate Castellanos... Keep in mind, the Brazilian window uh, and Palmeiras can still come in until April for him, but I expect that to be in summer. He leaves. They've got Santi Rodriguez there. They've got Dallas Magno. They've got talent to replace him. The whole plan is to sell him. They're in. They're going to be good.
2: What do you got, Sean? Oh, as far as NYCFC goes, yeah, no, they're, they're definitely in. Um, I'm going a bit bold. I don't think they finished as high as they did, but I, that, you know, I could be wrong, but they're definitely making the playoffs. Um, that, that depth is going to be really tested really hard this year with them playing in multiple competitions, especially with the open cup coming back. Uh, but they're in, and I could see them making another deep run, even if they do lose Tati in this summer window.
1: So are are you predicting that they don't, they don't land fourth in the conference or are you predicting they don't go back to back?
2: Uh, both actually. Uh, I, I think they may be, uh, an away, t- an away game first round and they could still make a deep run, but I don't think they go back to back either, but that's all pending on if Tati leaves in the summer window.
1: Yeah. I think we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later, but, uh, I'm not making any picks on actual rankings because uh, I know how this works, and I'm also not going to pick an MLS Cup winner. But I think that and uh, NYCFC has a chance to make a deep run, and they could end up in the finals again. Yeah, I'm higher on them than uh, Sean is as well.
0: But moving on to another team I'm high on for this upcoming season, the Philadelphia Union. They did manage to finish second in the Eastern Conference out of the 14 teams there. Uh, they did only get 14 wins, however, which was the same as D.C. United, who did not make the playoffs, as there was a big drop-off in wins after New England. Uh, but their coach, Jim Curtin's going to play his aggressive pressing style, going to play the kids, uh, and they got some good kids on this team. A couple of key signings. One kind of really excited to watch is uh, Mikael Uri from Bromby in the Danish League. He's a Danish international assigned for Philadelphia's club record of 2.8 million in world football. That seems almost ridiculous for a club record. Uh, he won the Danish Super League of Golden Boot last season and was the league player of the year. Man, there is there's a lot of goals in those feet for a guy coming in for just 2.8 million. And uh, then you've also got another striker. This is an interesting one. They picked up uh, Julian Carranza from Miami, 21-year-old, young DP. Uh, Miami, of course, they got all that shenanigans in the front office, had to shed a bunch of payroll. Uh, This is interesting. This is a loan to Philadelphia. Philadelphia has an option to buy. That means they could get a young DP that signed for $6 million initially into the league for just the MLS Monopoly money, for some allocation money. That's big. Uh, he hasn't been that good, but he's still very young. And quite frankly, Miami was a damn mess for the two years he was there. And since he's a young DP, this is only a $200,000 salary cap this season for Philadelphia. That's really low. This is interesting. I want to see how it plays out. See if he's actually any good because he didn't show that with Miami. They did have a couple of uh, key losses, but they replaced one of them. Casper Shibilko, the striker, was traded to Chicago for $1.15 million in GAM. Uh, Just this week, uh, they traded off uh, midfielder Jamiro Montero to San Jose up front, 250K in GAM, an uh, international roster spot, and 200000 k in GAM for performances next year. If he hits those performances, it's essentially about $700,000. It's a pretty good trade. Uh, Montero could come to a, a, a long-term agreement with Philadelphia. It seemed like he's a little unhappy with the club. Uh, San Jose can use him. And this free up spots for these young players, these wonderful young midfielders that uh, Philadelphia has. And their names are Paxson Aronson, Jack McGlynn, and Quinn Sullivan. These are good young players. We'll see if they get transferred in the summer window out. I wouldn't be surprised. Another one that could be is a young player, Kai Wagner, who was quite good for him last year. Jack Elliott's back, Andre Blake, Alejandro Bedoya. There's a good team here without a lot of changes. And I actually do on paper think Yuri's going to be better than Chibilko. Uh, so my outlook is there they're going to be there at the end of the season. I think they're going to get a home playoff spot. Uh, I think Yuri's going to be a steal. I think the kids are going to really develop under curtain in the system. The big question is, are they going to end up selling these kids off in the middle of the season to Europe who's going to be looking for a nice, cheap, talented uh, youngsters from America—that's all the hot thing in world football right now. That could uh, change the prospects for Philadelphia, but I've got them certainly in. I'm high on Philadelphia this season.
2: What do you think about Philadelphia, Sean? Oh, Philly's going to make another another playoff push. They're going to—they might see a a couple, like a tra- small drop in points, maybe a small drop in goals, but they're they're going to be pretty much the same team. They're going to be just as good, just as tough to play against, just as violent of a – well, not violent, that's the wrong term. um, Aggressive fan environment in their home stadium. I expect them to have another good chance at a deep run. Um, I'm all in on Philly making it. And what do you got, Mason?
1: I got Philly in. I don't think that they're going to feel Shabilko – leaving very much with a lot of the youth talent coming in. I don't think it's going to hurt that much, and I think they're going to they're gonna be strong again this year. That's about all to say about Philadelphia. We'll throw it to Sean. For Atlanta United,
2: they've been busy. Oh, yeah. Five Stripes have done a lot of in and out. Um, going to try to keep it to a couple of key transfers here. Uh, key ins, we've got Tiago Almada in the midfield, also bringing in Ozzy Alonso because just... Big household MLS name. Everyone knows who Ozzy is. Well, not everyone, but a lot of the players know who this guy is. <laughs> Most of them still have the bruises from him, too. <laughs> That's also true. Um, they also did bring in Bobby Shuttleworth. Never a bad idea to have veteran goalkeeping and you know as a backup. Uh key losses though. Ezekiel Barco went out on loan and George Bello, he went overseas too, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I was just making sure I wanted to make sure my facts were were straight this time, um, but looking forward to next season um, key players. We need to look at is Almada, the new the most important new signing. Um, see how he plays, if he can get that, that link up going and making sure that the attack is, is strong. Um, Miles Robinson, M Rob, he's got to, he's got to keep staying strong. And if he may, he may jump the pond in, in the summer transfer window too. But uh at the end of the day, key key component is always gonna be your your striker. And as long as Joseph Martinez can keep putting balls in the back of the net, you're gonna you're gonna be doing pretty well. I mean, last season they had a bit of a rough start. They looked a little inconsistent at times, they made a good run down the stretch, but you know, that was also after making a big coaching change, and they were still playing the same system. So it might look a little different this coming year because they just brought in Amada and Alonso. Um, they, the midfield looks a little bit stronger, but at the same time, it looks like they're going to be switching into a bit more of a four, three, three, instead of a back three, they had a back three, the entire, almost the entirety of last year, but with this back four, um, and Pineda, the new coach, um, Oh, what was his first name? Gonzalo. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Gonzalo Pineda coming in, uh, having a full preseason to look at this team, Try try different formations. Try different people in different places if they need to. Um, at the end of the day, I see that goal differential going positive uh, with that midfield linking up pretty well between the back line and the forwards. You're going to get a lot more. You're going to get a lot more quality service to Joseph Martinez, and I think he might put in a Golden Boot campaign yet again. Um, I think they have a chance to make it deep. I, it's not out of the question for them to be in the final but I definitely think they're going to be making the playoffs. That's for sure. Yeah, I think, I think I'm pretty safe in saying they're going to make the playoffs as well. Uh,
0: can almost say Barco is a addition by subtraction, the way he would often put his head down and just ruin scoring chances on transition. And I've got him in the playoffs pretty soundly. And Joseph has got that year back after the ACL that it takes to get your strength and your, belief that the knee's gonna hold up. I look for him to have a much bigger year this year.
1: How about you, Mason? You got him in or out. I have got them in. Perennial contenders. Joseph Martinez is going to continue to do Joseph Martinez things. And yeah, I uh we saw a bounce back season last year. I think it's gonna continue. Yeah and they're never afraid to spend Arthur Blank's money there, are they? No.
0: So, next up, it's fitting after we do Atlanta, let's go with their big rivals in MLS, Orlando. What can you tell us about Orlando, Mason?
1: Orlando. They beat CF Montreal decision day, and then were bounced in the first round. First round exits. Uh, big ins, uh, Cesar Rahu, Um the first U twenty two initiative signing for the club, uh, reportedly two million dollars transfer fee uh, coming out of Uruguay uh, through twenty twenty four. That's going to be a big one for them. Um, Facundo Torres from Uruguay, uh, from yeah, from Uruguay also nine million in transfers through twenty twenty five. So a couple of big big money signings there, and then we got Erkin Kara. Who they got from uh, Rapid Vienna out of Austria. Now they signed him for eight hundred thousand, and then he got injured in the first preseason game. I just checked, and at the time of time of recording, uh, a day ago, he said that he is hoping to be recovered by the start of the season from the ankle injury that he sustained. But that could be uh, interesting if if he's not back and able, because two big players that Orlando lost uh, were Nani to Venezia after they declined his option, and DK going to West Brom for $9.5 million. Those are two big hitters that Orlando had that they don't have anymore, and... Uh, yeah, they, they lost a lot of other players out of just going out of contract or declining options. Um, but those are the two big ones that stood out to me. Um, I have got Orlando out. I don't know if the players that they've brought in are going to be enough to make up for what they lost. What do you think, Sean, with Orlando? We're getting
0: into... Uh... Iffy places now for some of these teams.
2: Oh, when it comes to Orlando, they've they've just lost way too much and didn't bring in nearly enough. Uh, I don't see them making the playoffs uh, at at all. Not even, not even. Well, maybe I'm not gonna say not even close, but they're it won't. They won't make it to decision day. We'll put it that way.
0: I myself, even though they also lost Cash Mueller, Chris Mueller off the team on a free. Uh, I'm big on Fagudo Torres, so I've got him. I got him just getting into the playoffs on decision day over a couple of teams that I'm now kind of wishing I'd put over them. But
1: uh, I've got him in. But I'm not unanimous on that. We're finally getting some dissent. Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got Orlando as a bubble team, but I've got him out. And. Moving along to another bubble team from last year is
0: D.C. United. Finished eighth in the conference, just missed the playoffs. Uh, They did have 14 wins, as mentioned earlier, the same as second place uh, Philadelphia. And basically second place in wins in the Eastern Conference last year. But they didn't get the draws like Nashville and some of the others when they lost. They lost. Uh, So they didn't make the playoffs. Their coaches, Hernan and Lozada, plays a, I've got written down here, a very aggressive 3-4-2-1. I think I'm underselling how aggressive his teams play. They just play nutso football. And it caused them problems. The early season, everybody was out with uh, soft tissue injuries. And then at the end of the season, they just ran out of gas. Somewhere in the middle there, they played very good football. So if they can get in shape and uh, and know the style of play, maybe they can do better. Eh, we'll see. Some of the key signings, big one is probably Brad Smith from Seattle, 750000 in a uh, GAM. Seattle gets to keep a 10% sell-on fee. And this is a replacement for Kevin Paredes, who uh, took the transfer, was sold to uh VFL Wolfsburg for $7.35 million. Uh DC United even getting into selling players, which is a big thing. Uh, Brad Smith is a big pickup, good pickup for them to replace him. Uh, that was a good trade, a <laughs> pretty good trade from Seattle. We'll find out next week. Uh, cornerback, uh, excuse me, center back Brendan Hines Ikey, on loan from Belgian side, KV Korjic, <laughs> i say. He was... Quite good last season while on loan, uh, but his season got cut short by injury. He's now signed. They brought in Ecuadorian striker Michael Estrada. He's a loan from Toluca in Liga MX. He has 17 goals in 66 appearances, and he came to D.C. looking for playing time. So he needs playing time. He still had 17 goals in 66 appearances for Toluca. They picked up Hayden Sargis from Sacramento Republic of the USL. And uh, I mentioned a homegrown player, uh, Theodore de, de Pietro. Mostly I mention him because he goes by the name Teddy KDP. So I hope he does something for the team and goes out there so we could just call him Teddy KDP all season as he goes along. Just wanted to mention that. Uh, they picked up a Greek striker. Cesaris Fountas, well, they signed him to a pre-contract. He'll join mid-season from Rapid Vienna. He has 45 goals, 21 assists, and 90 appearances in the Austrian League. And uh, rumors have him chasing 38-year-old Argentine free agent Carlo Tevez for some unknown reason. There's one you don't want to sign. Key losses, well, we brought it up. Though he's not a game-changer for a team, Paul Ariola was a linchpin for this team in Losada's system. He actually was rated quite high, more than you might expect in uh, creating chances last year for D.C. United. He's now gone to FC Dallas for the record $2 million plus in GAM. Uh, Kevin Paredes, we told, was sold. Frederick Biont, the uh, center back who was with him forever, has retired. He's now assistant coach with their affiliate Loudon United. And they picked up Iorti Reyna, or they, excuse me, they lost Iorti Reyna, who signed with Charlotte as, I believe, a free agent. Key holdovers, they got Julian Gressel across from Brad Smith. Be exciting to see them pumping crosses in, if only somebody can put the ball in the net. Uh, They got their central midfielder, Junior Moreno, looking for him to kick on. Uh, DP midfielder, Edison Flores, has been a disappointment. And they got uh, Lucho in the midfielder, their best player last year. Uh, expect more from him. He'll probably be their best player. Now look for him. Lots of player movement. Never a good thing. Ariel and is big holes to fill. Kind of stuff went in with Brad Smith there. Lasada's style really takes it out of a team. Don't seem to have a lot of depth because they would need to rotate to keep from running out of gas late in the season. Uh, Just missed the playoffs last year, but they seem to be a worse club than they were last year. I've got them out and dropping even further down than they were last year.
1: And uh, what do you got for them, Mason? I've got them out. Uh, Like you said, um, to me, this smells like a rolling rebuild. Um, Good call. Yeah, it they're they're dropping some veterans who are talented but can, they can get rid of for high money and bringing in new players. It um without dropping the entire court and going completely to ground. Uh yeah, I don't think that they're I don't know, a bubble might even be
2: optimistic. I they're not they're not making it. And what do you think, Sean? I went back and forth on them for quite a while. Uh, just based purely off of where they ended up placing last year, because they were in that fight on decision day, um, but I ended up having them squeak it in. They're they're squeaking them in the last spot. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost out on decision day, but I've I've got them making it in. I think with the guys they brought in, um, they've got enough younger players that they should be able to make up for that over the course of a season. Pro, you know, provided. The guys that are key to your formation don't go out, but I've I've got them making it.
0: And uh, Estrada, the pickup from Toluca. Uh, if he kicks on, and he can score with being fed by Brad Smith and Julian Gressel, that could change the scope of the whole season.
2: Oh yeah, one hundred percent.
1: It'll it'll be fun when the season's over and we look back at these predictions. <laughs> it, it'll be sad it always is it always is
0: and speaking of sad for the last few seasons but perhaps a ray of sunshine in a northernly climb Sean Campbell's going to talk about the Chicago fire
2: yeah we're definitely going to see a bit of a, a bit of an uptick in Chicago in my book uh, we've got a couple of key signings here they brought in Jordan Shakiri, big name overseas coming in. Still, what, 30 years old now? He's still got a few years left, and that's going to be very important in that midfield. They brought in Kasper Shavilko from the Union. That's great because they just lost Stjanovich and Baric, so they're going to be hurting for goals like they weren't before. Um they did they did lose Bobby Shuttleworth in net, but you know, looking forward to this year, the key players are going to be Shakiri. Jabilko and Slanina. Uh, Slanina is going to have to step up at net if they're going to have any chance of of not letting up as many goals as they had. They they're hoping hoping they're not going to be as Swiss cheese as before and just be more of uh, hey, here's a jar with a slight hole on the side. Um, but looking at last season, it it pretty much was another failed year for Chicago. They've had what, 10 years out of the last 12? They haven't made the playoffs. They did not look good defensively. They had an absolutely god-awful start. They couldn't recover even if they had any good stretches down the run. But uh, I do have to say I respect you Chicago Fire fans like nothing else for sticking with the team through as rough of a patch as you've had. But again, things are in fact looking up. Um, Because of those new signings, you brought a new head coach with uh, Ezra Hendrickson. He's looking to be using some type of a 4-2-3-1, which is going to be very interesting. If you've got those two holding mids, it lets your wing backs fly up a little bit faster. Uh, let Shakiri slide in the middle and just kind of roam around there, do his, his magic in the midfield. Jabilko uh, added to the offense, gives you another another solid choice up front. Um, the goal differential is going to go up. You're going to see it in the positive. And again, if Slonina can keep up being a solid bats backstop that got him called into camp, that's going to be really good. Um, I'm looking forward to not a lot of possession, but quick counters, exciting passes. There's going to be some absolute galazos along the way for sure. And as far as playoffs go, if, if we get max production out of everybody that's on that team, I could see them making it, but, It's just if I'm being absolutely realistic, it's another miss this year for you guys, but it's not out of the question. And I don't know about you, but I'd much rather have the excitement of a good stretch run and then just barely missing out on by like a point or two on decision day than just being like, well, hope we don't get the spoon again. or hope we don't get the spoon this year, Uh, but here's the hope when you guys get that playoff berth soon, because damn, if nothing else, you fans deserve it. And Tio Luis
0: deserves it. <laughs> our our correspondence buddy. <laughs> Shout out to Tio
1: Luis. What do you got on Chicago this year, Mason? I got him out, but like Sean said, it's really looking up. Um, it, it looks like a big improvement from the last couple of years where they have just been dire. Just really stuck in the mud. Um I guess finally, the third time around, the rebrand worked out. <laughs> and, um, yeah, uh, I, I think that they're out. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year, but I think that they are going to improve quite a bit on the table. And we could, sh- we could see them in the playoffs in the next couple of years.
0: I'm pretty high on them. A couple of concerns. Shakiri's played a lot between his club and, uh, And internationally, he hasn't had a break. Will he have the steam to play the whole season at a high, high level? Might have to manage his limits. And uh, Gabriel Salina, they may very well have to sell him in the summer when somebody comes in for a a young international goalkeeper that good and that young. He's worth a fortune. I would like to see him stay in MLS, get the reps, because he's something special. I think he's the future goalkeeping of the U.S. men's national team, and I think he might actually end up being one of the highest transfers out of MLS in their history. But, and I'm not firm on this, i got him just below the playoff line, but I'm not sold on the two teams I've got right above the playoff line. I put him in a group with Orlando, uh, Club de Foot, Montreal, and Toronto. Uh, out of that mix, two of them will make it, two of them won't, is my thought. But the power cube of Sh- is Shakiri is just going to be a delight to watch in the league. We love talking about our bubble teams. So, after Chicago, we'll throw it over to Mason. He's got some information on uh, the former home of St. Louis City head coach, the New York
1: Red Bulls. Yes, former home of former assistant head coach uh, Bradley Carnell. New York Red Bulls. Um, I guess preempt this a little bit. We were talking about bubble teams. I've got the Red Bulls as a bubble team. Um, big Inns. Uh, we're going to talk about this one more, I think, when we talk about Inter-Miami. But uh, Lewis Morgan through 2023 for a $1.2 million in-game transfer. I think that more bails out inner Miami than it does help (laughs) the Red Bulls. But we'll see. Um, A big signing is that they locked up Carlos Coronel, the goalie. Uh, Bought him out from his loan uh, from Salzburg through 2024. Locked that down. Uh, Caden Clark, his loan from RB Leipzig has been extended. Um uh they also picked up uh Dylan Nealis from Nashville for 125k in GAM, plus incentives. Uh lots of movement on the Red Bulls, mostly in outs, though. We've got Fabio out, Daniel Royer out, Kyle Duncan out, Sean Davis out, and Tom Edwards out. And those are just the big names, and they all just left from declining options or end of contract just let go that's pretty brutal that's a lot of their core um not a lot of like heavy hitters when it comes to scoring there aside from fabio but that's a big chunk of their team and that they just let walk um and they didn't bring a lot in to make that up Uh, yeah, I've, I've got the Red Bulls out, um, I, they didn't do enough, um, they, they let a lot of, they let, like, I keep saying they let, they let their core walk, but that's what it was, they let their core walk, those were all contracts up for negotiation, or had options that they declined, and, just la- They just let them lapse. They didn't even sell them on, didn't transfer them. Uh, yeah, no, and they didn't do much to buy back.
0: Yeah, I have to say I've got them out, too. I do know on this show I always felt remiss that we need to make as big a deal of Sean Davis leaving the Red Bulls to go to Nashville and that defense. We'll talk a lot more about that next week, I'm sure. Uh, Kyle Duncan gone. But one thing we saw with the resurgence the Red Bulls had at the end of last season was that the big names on that club didn't fit Gerhard Struber's uh, style of play and what he wanted. You know, something we expect to see from Lutz, where it may not necessarily be the names are the ones that actually play. It's the ones that
1: can play the system. But I got them out. Yeah. A couple of things. We got Daniel Edelman and Zach Ryan coming up from the academy. To the first team, good so, academy. Yeah, so we'll see if maybe that plays into Struber's strategy there, in letting a lot of the a lot of the Asian core go. But I don't know. It's a lot of faith in young players. Do you feel the way we do, Sean, on the Red Bull New York?
2: I've actually got them squeaking in on decision day. Woo! Uh, they're they're going to get us. They're still going to be on the lower rungs. They're going to be playing in away game. But I've got them in. Uh, purely on the fact that, like you said, uh, it may not, you can bring a big name in, but if they don't fit the system, they don't fit the system. They're not going to play. Why keep them if they're not going to play and you could spend that money elsewhere? Granted, they haven't spent the money elsewhere, but I think they're going to start putting a little bit more emphasis on that academy. They just brought up a couple of homegrowns. And I, I think if the young guys can show up, like the U.S. men's national team is showing up with the young kids, I could see them squeaking in. I can see it, but I can't call it.
1: Yeah, pretty. I, I pretty much called everyone except for NYCFC on my list a bubble team. <laughs> and
0: that's a lot of talk about a pretty Midland team, to be quite honest. Uh, speaking of Midland teams, let's go ahead and I'll move ahead and go to last year's biggest disappointment, the Columbus Crew. They finished ninth out of 14 teams. Their coach is Caleb Porter, who has this weird thing where every time... He wins something the next year. The team is just abysmally bad. Well, they got through that abysmally bad. And as we go through this, there's still a lot to be excited about here. Uh, Key signings, not a lot to get you really excited. Uh, They picked up a winger, Yaya Boa, Ghanaian International. The wingers were awful for the crew last year. You know, if he's just you know, replacement uh, range, like they say in baseball, it'd probably be a, an improvement for them. They got a center back, Milos Degnik, big guy. Uh, free agent last year with Red Star Belgrade. He has 33 caps for Australia. And uh, he looks like he's going to step in the starting lineup as a big, physically big partner to uh, Jonathan Mensah in the back. It could be a big step up for the crew there. Midfield, they got James (laughs) Igbe on loan from Spanish Segunda Division, Real Zaragoza. Depth for a stacked midfield. Don't know if we'll see too much of him. But one that did catch the eye is uh, left back Will Sands. They picked him up in a trade from NYCFC for his MLS homegrown priority in 50,000 in K and GAM. He is the brother of Jane Sam's. He has a big upside. There's a lot of buzz about him. This could be a pickup, maybe not for this year, but for the future. Something to keep an eye on. Key losses: They lost Harrison Awful, free agent to Charlotte. Awful was showing his age last year. Probably better for Charlotte than uh, than for Columbus this year. They uh, lost left back Milton Venezuela. Uh, signed with uh, FC Lugano of the Swiss Super League, he two three years ago he was fantastic, and then he got hurt, and that hurt him. They were trying to sign him back, they couldn't come to terms. He's gone. They did pick up veteran goalkeeper Evan Bush to back up Eloy Room in the goal because they really needed a backup for Eloy Room here. The biggest thing with Columbus is who's still there. It starts off with Lucas Zellerion, giase Zardes, Jonathan Mensah, Eloy Room, Kevin Hotboy Molino, Darlington Nagby, sublime player, uh, Pedro Santos, and they got Artur and exciting youngster Aiden Morris coming back from injury. That's a top-notch lineup right there. I mean, you're talking Zellerion and Mensah are MLS best 11 type players. They just can't, they got to stay healthy. Zelleron was out for half the season. That really hurt. Um, I say the outlook for them is very good. I mean, everybody hadn't picked to win everything last year and it all fell apart. Pretty much got the same team. Still got a lot of talent here. Got depth. Uh, I look for a big bounce back season.
2: I got them in and
0: I got them fairly high. What do you think, Sean?
2: Oh, I've got the crew in for sure. Um, You're keeping a nice, solid core of players. Um, Yeah, you lost some names that were important. But at the same time, you look at last year, they had a disappointing year, but they also came up against the absolute monstrosity that was the revolution. The absolute stalwart that is Nashville. And they're not even in the conference anymore, um, and the union just being the union, you're gonna play if you play them multiple times in a year, you you might win one of those. But I I think they have a bounce back year with especially with Nashville being gone. Um, I think a lot of these guys step back up to what we know they can play, and I've got them in. What are you thinking, Mason? I've got them in. You
1: ride you ride the Caleb Porter cycle. They didn't make it last year, so they're poised to make it this year. Uh, Zardis. Nagby, Zeller Ryan, they're all still there. They're all still playing well. Uh Zeller Ryan's back. Yeah. No, you, you you ride the wave. Yeah. Uh it's hard
0: to bet against them. And uh, another team that was out last year that uh was a bit of buzz about this year. That's Toronto. And Sean Campbell will walk us through what's going on with Toronto this year.
2: Oh, with Toronto, they're definitely in a in a bit of a rebuild and I I can't, I, I wouldn't, I would not be stretching the truth too much if I said they've probably been in this rebuild for at least a, a year or two now. Um, they bought in, they brought in Bob Bradley to coach now. Uh, they brought in Carlos Salcedo. They brought in Insigne and that's going to make some absolute waves going on for sure. Uh, they lost Josie. They lost Omar Gonzalez. And the big out that they lost was Richie Lorea, And that that could be very damning for them. Um, I, Mason, I'm sorry I've said it twice. We might have to... You could either bleep it or mark it explicit. But uh, Salcedo, Insigne, and the young in Akinola, if those three can step up, I, I think we might see some improvement from Toronto. But with them being in effectively full-on rebuild mode. I mean, even with bringing in Bradley, bringing in Insigne, uh, I could see them doing great things. Either way, they're going to improve, but I don't think they're making the playoffs this year. Mason, what do you feel about Toronto? I've got
1: Toronto in, but the reason I have Toronto in is basically because I had to play EB meeny, Miny mo between my bubble teams <laughs> <laughs> and I had already put Orlando and Red Bulls out <laughs> um
2: you they're, they're right.
1: that's probably the best yeah, they're all riding that line I don't know um it, it's like Sean said they're deep into a rebuild this could very well be the year they bounce back or it could be another rebuild year you never really know with a with a with a rebuild team especially with a lot of turnover. Yeah, I, I I've got him just out.
0: But I do think they're gonna get a bump just from Bob Bradley, getting them organized, getting him on the same page. Uh Insigne coming in the summer is gonna help. How great he'll be, he'll be tired. But he's as good a talent at at this stage of his career as MLS has ever had coming in.
2: I just wanted to say one last thing, just while I'm thinking about it before we move on. Um with where they stand and you know, they're not going to be as close to the bottom in the wooden, in that wooden spoon competition as they were this past year. Um, But I want to make sure it's stated that they, they will not be fighting for that spoon, but they're, they're definitely not making the playoffs. I think Toronto is going to be the biggest
1: L I take putting them in. (laughs) Maybe not. We don't know.
0: Or maybe it's your next team that's stepping up, Mason. What do you got for us for uh,
1: the Club de Foot in Montreal? Club de Foot Montreal. Uh, The team that I actually kind of like despite myself because I have no respect for Quebecois. Well, players in. Alistair Johnston out of Nashville. One million in GAM through 2023. Uh, and then we got Joaquin Torres from Old Boys, perched out his loan for the year. Otherwise, not a lot going on for Inns. Uh, out we got Emmanuel Maciel uh off to Argentina and Clement Baia off to Norway. And those were just contracts declined. Not a lot of movement happening there. Uh I have Montreal in because there was not a lot of movement and they were they were in striking distance on the decision decision day. And I think with Nashville moving to the West. And then Charlotte replacing them, who is almost certainly going to be below them, that could bump them up. But. That's, that's very arbitrary. <laughs> that's, that has nothing to do with the performance of the club, really. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that. Uh,
0: the ins and outs at Montreal, Alistair Johnston is kind of a big pickup. He played well for Nashville, a Swiss Army knife kind of defender. He Play, has played extremely well for the Canadian men's national team in World Cup qualifying. I think he's taken a step up in his game. I think he's going to get a chance to shine here. Uh, I think that's going to be a big pickup for a team that is really more about the collective than any one of their parts. And Wilfred Danse proved last year he knows how to get this team to get a result when they need it, to get points to keep them around that line. And actually... I've got them in in the last place in the playoffs. What about you, Sean?
2: Looking at Montreal, they were a bubble team last year. They're going to be a bubble team again, but I think they're going to end up tied on points with the fire for that first spot out. I, I don't think they're making it in. Um, they brought in some good players, but I, again, I, I just see it being more of the same, and so they're going to be just, just barely on the outside looking in.
0: And it could be their uh, trip to CONCACAF Champions League wears them out to keep them out. It could be that final line.
2: Agreed. It well, could be, <laughs> which we'll talk I, about later. And again, adding in that U.S. Open Cup to everyone's schedule this year is going to also put another un, you know s- unseen strain we didn't see last year on everyone's depth. And you're going to have to get some production from your homegrowns and some younger players.
0: If Montreal wins the U.S. Open Cup, that'll make news. But they very well could win the Canadian Cup,
1: <laughs> yes, they did last year. Forget, I, forget I said that.
0: Forget I said
2: that.
1: <laughs> they're
0: playing in another
2: Sorry. cup that they, they're playing in some sort of cup that you know most teams don't have to play in, or they're playing in an extra cup that they don't need to be playing in. That's going to cause problems. <laughs> all right, you know what. <laughs> Sean has just staked his staked his flag
1: in 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 the movement of, of Quebec separatism, but in order to become the 51st state of the United States.
2: Can can we trade them for Texas?
1: <laughs>
2: Texas becomes Canada and Montreal becomes US. It, it, I'm if, Texas if and to. not Florida. Bold. If you need to,
0: we can just throw Arkansas into nobody'll care.
2: arkansas would care we my joke head.
0: we joke we kid we <laughs> kid <laughs> <laughs> now, let's uh, let's go ahead and move it along to speaking oh, of jokes oh, man. um maybe i should take a drink here before i go through inter miami
2: i think we all need a drink before we talk about inter miami
1: yeah <laughs> no ex- <laughs> please excuse me i need to go partake in laudanum <laughs> So said David Beckham.
0: Uh, last season, 11th in the Eastern Conference, out of 14 teams, their coach is Phil Neville. Uh, key signings? Well, so go through here. Their key signing was signing Chris Henderson away from Seattle to be their sporting director. That is their key signing in this offseason. But they also got DeAndre Yedlin. Uh, is he got Galatasaray? in the Turkish Super League to uh, avoid his contract. He wanted to move back to the U.S. He's got young kids now. So he's coming to Miami. That's an upgrade for him. They've got Damian Lowe, veteran Jamaican international uh, center back with MLS experience. That's a nice veteran pickup. They picked up Brazilian center mid Jean Mota from Santos in Brazil a uh, U-22 signing Emerson Rodriguez in the midfield, and a U-22 striker Leonardo Campagna. These are the signings that they should have kind of done when they started. Chris Henderson's come in stuck with, what was it, $2.3 2. million in allocation money fines because of their shenanigans that they had with, you know, 47 DP players on the roster, which isn't allowed. The big thing for them is not really who they picked up. It's more the addition by subtraction. 15 players gone, including Lewis Morgan, who was traded to Red Bull New York, as Mason mentioned, for 1.2 in GAM. That's more than half of their fine. What a a deal that was by Chris Anderson. They're going to miss him on the field. Uh, but they're love c- cutting down on their ability to make deals. Julian Carranza, DP player, put him out on loan to Philadelphia in that uh, rather uh, unique arrangement that there is between Inter-Miami and Philadelphia. Blaise Matuidi, who of course was the focal point of being uh, unlisted DP, he's gone. Rodolfo Pizarro, loaned to Monterey, was supposed to be good, never was for Miami. They had to get rid of Leandro Leandro Gonzalez Perez. He's off to River Plate. It seems like everything in the offseason this year seems to be either going to River Plate or coming from River Plate. Or trying to go to River Plate. And if not, you got Nico Fagal going to Boca Juniors. So there you go. Uh, Ryan Shawcross retired. Never too soon. Christian McCune traded to Charlotte. And then MLS great, the legend Federico Higuain retired. Key holdovers. The most important one is not Gonzalo Higuain. It's Gregor in the midfield. He's not going to do a lot in the attack, but he is a shut down defensive midfielder. And Robbie Robinson's still there. Former Superdraft number one pick striker. Still only 23 with some promise. Uh, maybe he kicks on with a better team around a younger, hungrier team. And that's really the outlook for Miami. I rate this as a really great off-season, as they shed a lot of baggage and start rebuilding. Is it going to matter on the field this year? Probably not. Will it matter on the field in the next two, three years? I think the rebuild has been greatly hastened with what the work Chris Henderson has done this year. You know, they may not be that good or have results, but they're going to be a lot more interesting to watch and probably a lot more interesting to play on the field. So that's a that's a big pickup in the offseason for a team like this, but definitely out of the playoffs. What do you think, Sean?
2: Oh, this is definitely going to be what I'm going to call a gel year for them um you make that many drastic changes to your roster regardless of what you had to do because of constraints you know you're going to end up changing your starting 11 you're going to changing your your processes that you're going through when you're just in training it's going to take some time to gel and i think it's gonna take them a whole year i've got them out but they're going to look a little bit more exciting that's 100 percent agreed uh, but I think it's going to take them a year or two to really be worth anything on the field as far as playoff appearances go.
1: And Mason? Well, they're out. But uh, we've talked about this before. This is quite a deft rebuild from a, quite frankly, gross mismanagement of the club prior to this. Uh, a lot of these moves were made very smartly in order to try and recover as best they could from basically like what they incurred from from being mismanaged those years it seems surprising to say that a club this early should like or rather a club this young should be going through a rebuild but that's exactly what it is through no part of the roster but because of management uh front office uh but it seems to be being handled pretty well. Um, no, there will not be effects on the table this year. Absolutely not. Because this is the year where those penalties come into effect, and this is trying to kind of buffet those. But it's quite effective at that, and I we could see inner miami actually start coming up in a couple of seasons and actually start being competitive. This is not that year, though.
0: Yeah, a key word for them is mitigation. They're mitigating losses. They feel almost like a second expansion team uh, because they're rebuilding the roster. It should have been done the first time, utilizing tools like U-22, loans, things like that. They got DeAndre Edlin to come back. Nice pickup. You know, he's got a long career playing in Europe, and he was starting for Galatasaray, so he's not coming in limping back to MLS. He's coming back home uh, kind of at the top of his game, maybe playing the best he ever has for the club. So it's exciting. Good for the people in Miami. They need it. Speaking of fan base that needs something good, we'll wrap up the Eastern Conference with Sean Campbell in Cincinnati.
2: I I, I don't know if something needing something good is going to be fulfilled here Uh, just cause I mean, what, what haven't we already said about Cincy Um, (laughs) last year was (laughs) last year was another bad year, another wooden spoon, no scoring, no defense. Their defense was basically a chain link fence and you were throwing BBs through it. Um, The whole, I mean, it's, it's proud. They're probably, their fan base is probably the only fan base that I think has it rougher than even the, than than the fire. Uh, cause they went from having this USL team that was great in the USL and then all of a sudden they're just, I'm, I'm not saying this to be mean, guys, but they're just trash in the MLS. Like they have not shown anything good whatsoever. They have not put together a good campaign yet. And I mean, getting down to the nitty gritty, looking at the people they brought in. There's only three people that I think are going to make any sort of a difference so far. as far as the people they brought in and that's Dominic Bajji. you got to bring in a goal scorer and he can bring you some goals. Um, and then Roman Celentano. That's right. I've got a draft pick, a super draft pick as being a difference maker here. Um, you got a good goalkeeper there, and I think if he can step up and actually start playing some good quality games in his first year, you might not have to lean on Alex, Alec Khan, and maybe you can get 10 points from Celentano that you can add to the 8 points that you would get from Alec Khan. And then maybe, just maybe, if they can get a goal, good goaltending a, you know, performance out of the two of them, you might have a chance at something. Uh, but most important here is that new coach Pat Noonan, and y'all know i love my I love me some St Louis boys, Pat noonan, St Louis boy uh but you bring him in, he likes to run that four one two one, two, so four in the back, five in the middle in a diamond, and then two up front, sorry, not five, four in the middle in a diamond, sorry, I'm spacing a bit but. You bring in Pat Noonan. You bring in those two good goalies. Um, You also have to talk about Luciano Acosta and Brenner that are going to improve your midfield play and your forwards. I don't think you make enough of a jump to get anywhere close to playoffs. And this is the point in the show where we make our obligatory playoffs joke. Uh, But no, it's not going to happen. I do think, though, that see that not Seattle. Why did I say Seattle? I do think though that Charlotte does not get the wooden spoon this year, and that you you listeners may be asking, well, if they don't get the wooden spoon, who gets it? Well, I've got a couple thoughts on that. Out of spite, I'm gonna say I hope it's the Sounders, obviously, but in reality, we have to see how it all shakes down at the end of the day. But you know, a couple things come to mind. Texas, some other team that has a T-word in their name, um, or maybe we get a new expansion curse. Who knows? All I know is my bets on it not being Cincy, but they're definitely nowhere close of sniffing the playoffs.
0: Yeah. uh, We just talked about Miami and the limitations placed upon them with penalties imposed by MLS. Cincinnati's also working with perhaps even more hamstrung with penalties that were self-imposed. They never had a plan. Something came up. They just threw money at it, usually in the wrong spot. Uh, I think the biggest thing to say is that their goalkeeping had been so atrocious since they started in MLS that Matt Doyle said the Alicon would be the most impactful uh summer or uh, offseason signing in mls more than insigne shakiri because he'd be worth just him alone eight points to cincinnati and then somebody pointed out eh, if he does bring eight points they still get the wooden spoon man i don't know if they get the wooden spoon this year there might be a team out in the west that might get it we'll talk about that next week but uh I think that'll sum up everything we got for the Eastern Conference this year. Next week, we'll do the West. I don't think it'll come to a surprise to a lot of people. I think all three of us are a little more uh, closely tied to the Western Conference. I know my decades of imposed neutrality have left me watching the Western Conference more for the so many years. Of course, this is the last season of that being that imposed neutrality next year. I get somebody to really root for. And that wraps up our look at the Eastern conference of MLS for the upcoming season. And next we're going to take a quick look at the CONCACAF champions league. So CONCACAF champions league kicks off. Actually, this is on Tuesday. We're recording kicks off tonight. So when you listen, there will be two finals that we don't know about as we speak, but, uh, Give a little preview of what to expect from CCL here in the round of 16. There's five MLS teams in the round of 16. Uh, You also have uh, four Liga MX teams in. What's notable about the Liga MX teams is they've only got one of the four big heavy hitters. There's no Club America in this year's tournament. No Tigres, no Monterrey. Chivas isn't here. There's a lot of them that aren't here. Only Krubus Azul of the heavy hitters is here. That being said, does that mean MLS has a chance to win? Well, what have we learned? No. CCL stands for MLS's disappointment. They never seem to get over the line. Maybe this year. Maybe not. New England and CF Montreal are on the the side of the bracket with all of the uh, Liga MX clubs. Seattle... Uh, Colorado and NYCFC only have León in their side of the bracket. Uh, You got Pumas, Santos, Laguna, and uh, Cruz Azul, plus Costa Rica's uh, Saprisa are all in the one side with New England. New England's also got some losses. You know, Supporter Shield doesn't look like they're really set up for a big run here. And with the bracket, Seattle is the one set up to have to play León. If both teams get through here in the round of 16, ooh, the wouldn't be CCL with a lot of, without a lot of concafiness going on. Haitian club, Calvary AS, now must play both of the opening round legs at New England. They won't have a home game because of the unrest in Haiti. Uh, ConcaCaf has moved their home games to New England, Uh, and that'll be played, supposed to have been played tonight, first leg will be played Friday, the following will be on Tuesday. CONCACAF said they did this due to the safety and security situation in Haiti. Uh, Right before recording, I heard uh, CONCACAF expert John Arnold say that uh, there's no U.S. embassy in Haiti. Haiti's having problems getting their travel documents to get to the U.S. They may have to forfeit the whole round. They may not be able to travel. So we don't know what's going on there. Also, New York City FC, uh, they will play their home leg at LAFC's Bank of California Stadium because Yankee Stadium has not been approved by CONCACAF and Red Bull Stadium's not available. So they're going to play Costa Rica Santos on Wednesday, February 23rd. The second leg, the home leg for uh, NYCFC in L.A. And they're going to L.A. because they play the Galaxy the following weekend, a few days later in L.A. anyway, they'll be there. So that's where they're going to play their home leg, 2,300 miles away.
1: Gotta love CONCACAF. Well, it's very much like NYCFC to not play at a home stadium. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Line up NYCFC
0: and CF Montreal play tonight as we record. So the games will be done by the time you hear this. NYCFC is at Santos de Guapiles. And uh, CF Montreal is at Santos Laguna in
1: Mexico. <laughs> the club Santos.
0: Yeah, and for,
1: <laughs>
0: there's it clubs
1: Santos. Excuse uh, me. <laughs> Thursday,
0: Colorado is at Comunicaciones from Guatemala. Seattle travels to Honduras to play Montagua. And then Friday, like we said, perhaps the New England Revolution will play Cavalier AS from Haiti. We'll see how it goes. We don't get that excited this early in CONCACAF. See who makes it through. Seattle and NYCFC have the depth to make this run. They're on the right side of the bracket. Uh, Seattle has a history of blowing it here because they've always had uh, slow starts. We'll see what happens in the first leg. If all five MLS teams can make it through, that'd be a big deal because CF Montreal would have to beat Santos Lagunas. However, Santos Lagunas has not won in five games so far in the uh, La Liga Clausura, So maybe they're ripe for the picking. So that's it for CCL. We'll have more as it goes along, of course. It's been a big show, and I think we're going to wrap it up here, guys. And I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm your cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean. And we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. Thanks for listening.
1: Bye for now.